This episode of The Minimalists is brought to you by nobody. Because advertisements This podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And my name is Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. We're recording this on the holiest day of the year. Cinco de Mayo. What did, uh, you, what did you get me for Cinco de Mayo? Happy holidays, Ryan. <laughs> a toaster. Oh, damn it. I bought myself a toaster. <laughs> no, I got two of them. You know, uh, we have a bunch of questions from our podcast supporters, so I thought we would go ahead and dive into as many of those as possible. Ryan, our first question today is from Lee. Uh, you want to read that one for us? Sure. When it comes to organizing your life as far as time, money, and ideas for your show, do you use a system to physically see it like spreadsheets or some type of hardware platform? Now, I get really suspicious. And here's why, Ryan. I used to use a lot of different organizational systems and spreadsheets, and I became very adept at using Microsoft you Access. You were like King Spreadsheet, man. I, I really it was. was your middle name. <laughs> <laughs> and I... In doing that, I had a very organized chaos. No, well, no, it wasn't even chaos anymore. It was it was organized tyranny. Mm. It was sort of the opposite of chaos. But there is beauty in chaos as well. I'm not advocating for for chaos. But what I am trying to say here is, I get really suspicious when I think I can solve my sort of productivity or, or organizational problems mm. with adding new things, new systems, yeah. whatever. Mm. However, there, there are some things that I think are helpful from time to time. Uh, when we talk about budgeting, for example, you often talk about the Every Dollar app. Mm-hmm. And I think that is more useful, especially, in fact, here's a more blanket statement I think will work. If you're in a crater, Mm-hmm. Uh, debt is a huge crater to be in, right? Yeah. If you're in a crater where your relationships are terrible, your health sucks, or you uh, aren't contributing to your career in the way you want, if you're in a crater, then maybe there are some apps or systems that can help you get out of that crater. Mm. However, if you are not in a, a crater, I think some of these things will just uh, add additional layers of complexity and that's what we're we're trying to do the opposite of we're trying to uncomplex decomplect someone's life the the opposite of complex is to simplify and and really i don't don't think you can add in order to simplify i think a lot of people too use the excuse of well i'll do that when i find the perfect system to do that with or i'll do that once i finish reading this book or whatever it may be yeah i totally think that some of those things can actually hold us back rather than help us but i mean to answer this question head-on What I love about how we do the show is we have questions, we look at the questions, and yeah, we prepare a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, we're kind of freestyling. Yeah, and and in fact, what we try to do is we try to have the simplest method to produce the highest quality. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, if you're watching this on YouTube, I've got some show notes here that are written literally in Apple Notes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I use Google Docs. Uh, Then we have... 
this is a Google Doc with all of your questions on it. And then when we do voicemails, Sean captures those in a simple MP3 file. And then we'll print out an article. But there's nothing very complex about this. Yeah. We just have an, an old school printer where we print some stuff out and we, we answer some questions. We do prepare, but I, I find it to be cumbersome to add in a bunch of different ingredients. However, you did mention books, and I agree with you that you shouldn't have to read all the right books to obtain all the right knowledge, and therefore you are now uh, a master on a subject. You don't even actually don't achieve mastery that way at all. Right. The only way you achieve mastery, you, you don't learn how to become a gardener by reading gardening books, right. but a gardening book can give you the knowledge to apply sure. the, the sort of tips that will allow you to get there via the most direct path. Mm -hmm. and, and so those things will give you the knowledge, but knowledge is not power, knowledge is potential power. You still have to put in the, the effort. Absolutely. Trudy has a question for us. Trudy writes in, how do you set up a hierarchy between habits that will propel you forward and those that will not? For example, I like to take classes and learn new skills, some for fun, others for career reasons. How long should I continue to stick with a habit if I don't see any benefits from it overall? A week? A month, etc. Hmm. I, I think we we often confuse productivity with moving our hands. Yeah, I also think we think that we every action we take, we feel like we need to have some kind of uh, passion behind it or some this great motivation. So I think this is a very apt question because you know maybe Trudy isn't feeling the passion with something, um, but yeah, how does she how does she know when to stop? I mean that's. Oh, I think that's conflating two things then, Trudy. If that, if that is in, indeed what you're saying, uh, we confuse passion with excitement. But for me, I'm not going to do something now. And by the way, I'm learning so much. Th and we'll talk about it on this episode, I'm sure, or maybe even during the Maximal episode. By the way, all these questions are from our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. If you are a Patreon supporter, you keep this podcast 100% advertisement free. But back to you, Trudy. If... If you aren't excited about something, that doesn't mean that you don't have to be passionate about it, but passionate means that it is a hell yes, to use Derek Sivers' sort of uh, vernacular. Uh, in fact, he has, uh, let's put a link to that blog post. It's like an essay he wrote called uh, Hell Yeah or No, I believe is what it's called. But there, there was a time in my life, especially early on when you're young, when you're first discovering things, I found it was very important for me to say yes to almost everything. Mm. When you and I first started working in telecom, and I actually started there before you, I was 18 when I started there, it was saying yes to everything. Let me try this out. Let me try this out. Because that's the only way you're going to, to learn what you're good at, what is appropriate for your preferences. And you're going to fail a lot, but they're not real failures. And I think what we do is we get confused here when we actually we think of giving up as a bad thing. Right. But man, giving up is one of the most awesome things you can do. That's what sure. minimalism is all about. It's about giving up stuff. Mm -hmm. And then from there, giving up the relationships that don't serve us anymore, giving up bad habits, giving up routines that no longer serve us. And maybe those routines even ser serviced us for a period of time. But it's about giving up so that you're moving forward. It's setting the things down that you no longer want to carry with you. And so the only way you're going to do that is pick some things up, see what is appropriate. And how long do you do it? I think you know quite often. It's it's you're not ever going to form a passion overnight. You know, it's not going to take a week. But imagine if you really wanted to, Ryan. What's a what's a passion that you uh, that maybe your 18 year old self wanted to try out? Oh, I don't know, man. Uh, 
I have no guitar. Playing, yeah, okay, playing but I guitar. Still, but I still play guitar. Right, okay. But playing <laughs> guitar, and, and you could figure out really quickly, let, let me just say guitar, if, for example, sure. Trudy, if this is something you wanted to do here. If you wanted to play guitar, instead of trying it for an hour a week, what if you did it for four hours a day every day for four months? Mm-hmm. What, what would that look like? You Well, you, you would no longer not be proficient at it. I guarantee if you did it for four hours every day for four months, mm-hmm. it, you, you did the really deep dive, you would be you'd be proficient at it and at that point you would also have to drudge through so much drudgery but that's where the payoff is the payoffs on the other side of it. and by then you're going to figure out okay i'm four or five months into this is this something i want to keep doing yeah or is this something i get to set down so i get to move on to the next thing exactly i mean that's really the question i think trudy should ask is if you're going to give up something what are you making room for so whether you do it for a day or a month i, I don't care trudy as long as you're picking up a boulder that you would rather pick up than the one you're already holding. I think that's what really matters. And with the guitar analogy, the reason why that came to mind is because I wanted to be a rock star. Mm. I wanted to like be in a band. I wanted to write music. And so I learned how to play guitar. But then as soon as I, you know, could play, uh, wish you were here, stairway to heaven. I'm like, ah, I'm good enough. I could like, you know, I, I know my, my bar chords and I can, I can jam along with someone if they want to jam. And I realized like, I really didn't have that passion to create you know a rock album for example but i still enjoy playing guitar every once in a while it's not something that um you know i do every single day um but you know i definitely do it every single week and yeah it's it's at a point where i'm happy to passively have it in my life uh but yeah i set it down so i could pick up something else yeah do you know who glennon doyle is Mm -mm. i did a quarantine conversation with her on patreon Uh, she wrote this really fascinating book called untamed she's a, a prolific author has i think three memoirs out now mm. and um a fascinating life uh where she found out her husband cheated on her and now she she left that relationship and and anyway she she talked about you know, addiction and sometimes we get addicted to certain things because we think we have a desire to do something mm. but we have Really, we don't question the desire behind the desire. Mm. And so what you're talking about here is really the desire that you really had was was to be you know, to be a rock star or, or whatever. But mm. the desire behind that may have been uh, acceptance yeah. by other people to yeah. be unique, to be significant. Like what are these underlying desires? And yeah. then you can you can approximate those. You don't have to be a rock star to be accepted. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a rock star to play guitar. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a rock star to be loved by other people. Mm-hmm. And, and so you get to figure out what is the desire behind the desire. And if, I think if we start to peel back those layers of, of the creative onion, mm-hmm. so to speak, you, you start to realize like, oh, why do I want this? Okay, but then why do I want that? Right. Why do I want the why? What does Peter say? Our desires are from the ones we desire. I know I did a bad job paraphrasing that. I, 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 the mimetic desires? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah. The, so the Girard thing. So our, our, our desires are sort of an amalgamation of uh, the, the desires and beliefs of the people of the around people us. The people we desire. Yeah. 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 Audrey has a question for us. As much as I love the idea of under calendaring my life. That's a great verb. Under calendaring. Under calendaring. <laughs> I think there's a episode title there. <laughs> it took a pandemic for it to finally happen. Any ideas for how to remember this wonderful place once things get back to normal? In other words, how can I make this my new normal? Well, right now it is your new normal, yeah. right? You're kind of forced to... What is it? Under calendaring? Yeah. <laughs> You're forced into it. Easy for you to say. Yeah. 
the 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 I man, I've learned. Right, I don't know about you, and you just got back from Montana mm-hmm. uh, a day or so ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I have learned so much about myself during this pandemic, during this quarantine, during this virus, and what I've learned, I've learned a lot about my preferences and I haven't mm-hmm. unpacked all of them yet, but I'm, I'm working through them mm-hmm. right now. And I'm also, this is going to be shocking even to you, I think, because you know how much of an introvert I am. Yeah. I'm learning I'm even far more introverted than I initially suspected. Mm. Now, Ryan, uh, this weekend we, we came in here, me and Sean and Jordan, we were recording, we were trying to touch up some, re-record some videos that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I spent, what was it guys, three and a half, four hours together. And, and, and we, so we were together for four hours. I, this is the first time I've been with anyone in over a month. Oh, wow. I went home and slept for, I had a three hour and five minute nap Mm. immediately. Like I I couldn't, I was so exhausted by being around other people Mm. and it, it wore me out so bad. And I realized that I, I've always, not always, I've known since about age 30, 29 or 30 that I've been an ex- or an introvert. Mm-hmm. I thought I was an extra before that because I was socially competent. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm learning now that, uh, in fact, uh, we mentioned Derek Sivers a moment ago. I heard him say this thing, Ryan, and I think maybe the opposite will resonate with you. He said, there's so many times I've been around people and I've wanted to be alone. Mm-hmm. I've never been alone and wanted to be with other people. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you're definitely an introvert. <laughs> and I feel the same exact way about 99% of the time. Yeah. And th- there are exceptions where I'm like, oh, I really wish I could. But it's not even, I don't miss the going out to dinner with people. I don't miss the like coffee with other people. Like I don't miss that at all. And so yeah. what I'm realizing is that it's okay to have these preferences and it doesn't mean that I'm right and someone else is wrong. And just like Ryan, you, you were an extreme extrovert. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine the o- opposite is true where if you were to spend, I don't know, 30 days alone, yeah. you really want to be around other people. Oh yeah. I don't think I would last 30 days. I mean, it's funny, the older I get, the more introverted I do get, but thinking about your situation, the thing too is you're getting used to being alone. So you're building that habit. So yeah. of course you're going to come out of this where you're going to be even more introverted because you're doing something that is, it's a pattern for you to easily fall into. Mm-hmm. The more you do that pattern, the more you're going to get used to it. So when you got to break it, it's going to be difficult, man. So I imagine, yeah, when we come out of this, you're going to have a transition period where you're going to, you're going to need more alone time than what you would have needed before the quarantine. And what that means is really what Audrey's talking about here under calendaring, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, I've been very good at saying no to a lot of things, but now I'm going to have to say that more frequently. I feel like in order to fulfill my own preferences, desires. Now I'm not confusing those, those preferences, the, the, what, what's, there's like this old maxim, uh, or maybe I made it up. I don't know. The the uh, would do would you do what you do or wow, what is it? What you would do now versus what you want to do most. Mm. And and so quite often we want to do something now. Watch TV, right. watch porn, you know, whatever it is. I want yeah. to do this now. But what's the thing you want to do most? Meaning, write the book, learn to play guitar, uh, yoga, get into shape. 
get married, whatever it might be, mm. what is the thing you want to do most versus the thing that you want to do now? And it's almost always advantageous to work toward the thing you want to do most as opposed to that that ephemeral thing that is the the, the, the ultimate pleasure seeking, the, the hedonism right. of the now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's interesting too because during this quarantine, I struggle with like wanting to be productive 100% of the time which also isn't healthy. Mm. Like sitting there and beating myself up for, oh, I you know, I watched an hour of Netflix today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, th- there is a balance, right? I think for, I think it, it's I think it's highly individual. And, yeah, and oh, so, definitely. So when, when what you're saying there is being productive 100% of the time actually is is less productive for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's well, cuz the other thing too is like even though I am an extrovert, like I still need time to recharge. Uh-huh. And like w- yesterday um, so we got home on Sunday. Uh, yesterday was Monday, and I was extremely lethargic. And I mean, it was from driving an eighteen-hour day, and I mean, because we drove straight through from Montana to Los Angeles, eighteen hours straight. Got home at eleven thirty at night, and I slept really good that night on Sunday night. But on Monday, like I just, I really didn't have the energy to do anything other than like unpack clean up a little bit straighten up make some phone calls but like it wasn't a it wasn't a day of like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna write for four hours today or i'm gonna um or i'm gonna sit here and like do a massive workout like yeah i didn't even work out man because i was i was so lethargic so maybe you know maybe what i'm getting at is is into your point of it's very individualized is know your own body and know yourself and know you know what 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 that uh, percentage of downtime is versus the percentage of productivity because I, I fall into the trap of beating myself up when I'm not a hundred percent productive. Mm. So, and then when I beat myself up, it makes it even worse. Um, I was talking to, I was talking to a friend and I was explaining to them. I'm like, you know, I really feel like I should be 80% productive, 20% downtime, but it's more like 60, 40, 60% productive, 40% downtime. And they were like, why are you beating yourself up for that? Like, yeah. maybe that's what's right for you. And, and the, the, I think the opposite would be true for me where I, where there are many days where I, I like to sit down and work for 15 hours mm-hmm. and I can beat myself up the other way. Like, you should go and watch Netflix or mm-hmm. something where, and it's like, well, okay, maybe if that's what I feel like doing, mm-hmm. but it would be silly for me to like say, well, I'm going to stop doing the thing that is that I want to do most in order to to take a break from the thing I want to do most if I don't need that break necessarily. Yeah. And I think I think this time right now with with the quarantine, people are finding new new limits mm-hmm. uh, around their interactions, around their creativity, around their consumption and maybe picking up some bad habits. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. But I think with with a question like Audrey's question, uh, getting back to normal, mm-hmm. We're, oh, court. We've already talked about this. We're not going to go back, right? We're, right? we're not. We're not headed back to October of 2019. We can only move forward, and you get to decide what that moving forward looks like. Mm-hmm. You might pull forward some elements from October 2019 if you want. It might be a complete blank slate right now. Yeah. There are times, and by the way, I think it takes. Sometimes it takes crises. It took this for me. I mean, obviously, with my mother dying, my marriage ending when I was 29 years old, mm-hmm. these two things happening to me and 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 me 
starting to let go and, and questioning all of the stuff in my life, it took those crises to start asking some really important questions. Mm. And it may take, and by, by the way, I'm not unique to the to this. You go back to any major world crises, World War One, World War Two. These, we started asking some different questions as a society and came out of these situations completely different from before uh, the, the these crises happened. And I think the same is certainly going to be true uh, it was true for 2008 for many people, but now especially it's going to be true with this new pandemic and with the subsequent recession or potentially a, a depression that we're going to go into. Mm-hmm. We're going to be asking some questions that uh, I think we better ask the right questions, though. Yeah, totally. Let's move on to the lightning round, Ryan. All right. This is where we answer your text messages usually, but I've got more questions from patrons here. Yeah, but by the way, you can text your questions and comments, 937-202-4654. Those texts literally go straight to both of our phones. We can't answer every question via text, but we do reply to as many as we can. And if you text us, we'll also add you to our Monday morning minimal maxims. So each week we'll send you a... Just a little bit, a little text, a Monday morning minimal maxim, some simple living win, simple living wisdom each Monday. Uh, during the lightning round, Ryan, this is where we both do our best to answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We don't have anything prepared, so we're going to come up with some minimal maxims on the fly. Cool. You, you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place now, minimalmaxims.com. Ryan, how about we go to Troy's question toward the bottom of page one? All right, cool. Troy wants to know, how do I build up the courage to say no to bosses or coworkers who expect me to do some work off the clock? I'm technically off, but yet if I were to say no or disregard a request, I would be perceived as lazy. I mean, there's a few questions I'm going to ask. I'd ask Troy if you were here right now mm-hmm. or if someone else were asking me this question. I would say, okay, what's wrong with being lazy first off? Mm-hmm. And I think you have to be able to answer that question. For some people, it's that I don't, I just don't want to be perceived as lazy. Right. Well, okay. So you, it's really not laziness that you have a problem with. You have a problem with being perceived as as, as lazy. Yeah. Or the question then, Troy, is are do you? I think maybe there's projecting going on here too. Maybe you perceive yourself as lazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this because now I'm projecting my own insecurities because when I was in the corporate world. More often than not, the reason I worked so hard in, in that that world is because I didn't want to be perceived as lazy, but really I was perceiving myself as lazy. Mm. It's like a MC Escher sketch of productivity here. Yeah. And and so, Ryan, I I think maybe that's the first question we need to ask, but maybe the next thing we need to talk about is, do you need to find a career long-term, not immediately, long-term, that maybe worries less about the clock. Mm. You and I don't work on the clock. In fact, when we do this podcast, it's the only time where we have like a... a Scheduled time. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But And same is true with Sean and Jess and, and Jordan and anyone else we work with. We're not like, uh, did you clock in, Sean? Right. It's like, no, you, you, if, you get your, if you get your tasks done and you do them well, you execute them well, I don't care if it takes you 10 hours or 100 hours to do that thing. Right. And, and so we should be more concerned about the outcome than we are with hours of productivity. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's different when you've got a boss telling you what to do, and I totally 
under because the question is are you going to lose your job and do you need that job and if you do lose the job is it even worth the job having you know i mean right now obviously like it's going to be hard to go out and find work sure so i'm sure there are some really jerk bosses out there who are trying to take advantage of people mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know it's tough it's fun. we were playing this game uh it was called would you rather mm-hmm. and this was like weeks ago and one of the questions that came up it was would you rather be known as the laziest person in the world or go through a car wash full of dicks. <laughs> and I was like, first off, how big are these dicks? <laughs> but no, I thought about it and I'm like, I would I, I would be okay with being known as the laziest person in the world because the perceptions of others doesn't matter as much as the perception of myself. Right. And, right. That, and that would be my pithy answer. Yeah. And so maybe the, the question then is who whose perception? Because if it's my own perception of myself, I wouldn't, then I'd rather face the car wash. Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, I totally agree that Troy needs to really uh, be clear on is, is it, he's worried about being perceived uh, as lazy. And if that's, if that's the problem, Troy, you look in the mirror and you ask yourself what you perceive of yourself and as long as you're not going to lose your job, who cares if people what people think about you? Right. Again, like that's depends if he's going to lose his job or not, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and who but who cares what you think about you? You should care about that, right? Amen. And, and so uh, here's the other question I'm going to ask Troy though. I'm going to just challenge the premise here. Maybe because this is the question I would ask for myself. What's wrong with working off the clock? Like doesn't if you enjoy what you're doing wouldn't you want to do it beyond 5 p.m sort of thing yeah i mean and so maybe the question is what if you could find a career that you're more passionate about that's more fulfilling that you Mm -hmm. find more meaning in then maybe you actually have less of a problem Mm -hmm. with working beyond the 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 nine to five or or whatever yeah and also troy when you are saying no to someone uh, try to express to them what you're saying yes to, because if off the clock means family time and you know recharging time or whatever it is, and that's important to you, it's important whoever you're telling no to, what you're telling that you are explaining to them what you're saying yes to. Yeah. So here, here's the pithy answer for, for that is whenever you say no, whenever you say yes to something unimportant, you're also saying no to something more important, mm. and so you have to keep that in mind. So if you are saying, like, like Ryan said, if you're saying no to, to this boss or whatever, actually tell them what you're saying yes to. Uh, I'd rather be doing this with that time. Right. And if you're doing a good job adding value to, to that company, you're not going to have a problem communicating that. Yeah. All right, before we get into our added value segment and our listener tips today, it looks like we've got a bunch more surprise questions this week. Ryan, we've got a bunch of them from Patreon. I'll just read a few of these here. Have you succumbed to or been tempted with falling back to any old habits during the pandemic? Do you think once we as a society get back to the new normal, people will go back to consumeristic lifestyles and will it be worse than ever? And uh, Sarah says, I'm unexpectedly thriving through this pandemic, growing and diving deeper into dark corners with the space provided to do so my question is among the struggles so many are facing how do you allow them space to feel heard and validated in these times i think that's an interesting dichotomy uh, dichotomy we're going to address that plus ryan i think we got about forty thousand more questions here (laughs) 
And we're going to answer those on the Minimalist Private Podcast. So if you want to hear all that, listen to this week's Maximal episode on the, our private podcast. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode, but each week, Ryan and I and our guests, when we have guests, we record an entirely different, much longer Maximal episode on the Minimalist Private Podcast. It's just two bucks, and it's the most honest way for this podcast to earn an income because we don't believe in advertisements. You know that we think advertisements suck. So we make money only uh, if you find value in and support what we create. By the way, when you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. It's a totally separate endeavor. These are much longer episodes every every week. And that link that you get also grants you access to our entire back catalog of hundreds of private podcast episodes. Some recent private podcast highlights uh, include, Ryan, we did this conversation, the 40 days of quarantine, which was over mm-hmm. two hours long oh, with yeah. uh, Dr. Paul Saladino <laughs> and Chris Kelly. Yeah. Two of the smartest people I know. Two different perspectives on this pandemic. When should we get back to business? Uh, there was some debate, some sort of argumentation. But really what happened here, Ryan, is we started asking some questions that I don't think I would ask in public yeah. because the, the the private podcast gives us this this private space with trusted people mm-hmm. to sort of live out loud to to mess up out in real time yeah. and ask these questions and the feedback I was really if I'm being candid Ryan I almost didn't publish that episode because I was worried yeah it was it, well the thing about the the patron patron episodes patron episodes is we can explore topics that we would not explore with the masses. So, yeah, I totally understand. We certainly wouldn't have published that to the masses. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, uh, but I almost didn't even put it out on Patreon, but I'm yeah. like, these people understand. They get it. Right. And we, we, we provided some different perspectives, and the feedback I got was, wow, this was one of the most challenging episodes you've ever put in front of me. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with about 60% of it, some people said, mm-hmm. but it made me ask some questions that I know I wouldn't have otherwise asked. Mm-hmm. And that was from both sides, people who were very much stay inside and, and and other people who are like, let's open up the economy now and everyone else in between. The people yeah. were asking better questions and receiving better answers as a result. Also, Ryan, you and I have been doing these quarantine conversations uh, every day over on the private podcast. These little short, like 12-minute conversations with friends and friends of the podcast, different experts, asking them about how they're coping with and even thriving during this pandemic. Have you had a, a favorite one that you've done so far? I like the one you and I did a lot because uh, I feel like I was really able to open up with... Because, yeah, I mean, what I like about what we do, whether it's on the minimal or maximal episodes, is we get to be ourselves and we get to like share... Uh, not just all, hey, look at all this amazing life we're living, which is great. We get to share that, but also we get to share the the, the dirty parts too. And mm-hmm. so I liked how uh, I got to share a little bit of the the negative stuff on there. Um, anything, any of the other ones? Um, man, uh, Doctor Chris Brown was interesting. Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, I did one with Bex in mm-hmm. our kitchen. Oh yeah, and I really enjoyed that. We talked about a bunch of wild stuff. I won't even say here, but. Um, and it was just it was really comfortable and i felt good about it it took a little while for us to get into this little groove mm-hmm. that one felt great i did one with dave ramsey mm-hmm. which was awesome and um did ju- we've, we've done a bunch of them and I, i've really enjoyed the whole process of it just it's they're like much more like phone calls there's no intro there's no yeah. outro it's just hey Dave, how you doing? Yeah. And the thing I talked about, Dave, I'm like, hey, how many years have you been telling people they needed a budget? And now they're just finally figuring it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it was, it, it, those have been really enjoyable. We're going to continue doing that through 
through um, May. But then also, I'm thinking about transitioning once we're out of quarantine to maybe transition these over to quality conversations mm. where we do one or two a week where we just call up a friend for 12 minutes and these are free to any of our patreon supporters so if you're a patreon supporter uh you get these in addition to what you're already supporting us we just as a as a thank you also ryan uh, uh, the podcast i did with andrew mcafee who mm. wrote the uh, the book more from less mm. we had this conversation during the maximal episode on patreon it blew my mind. The very end, he so he's an environmentalist, mm -hmm. and he's an MIT scientist. Okay, and we, we started talking about recycling. We got a question from one of the patrons about recycling, and he said basically everything that you've heard about recycling is wrong. Mm -hmm. And he's writing this long essay for uh, Wired. Yeah. He said, "Hey, if you want your plastic to end up in the ocean." Just recycle it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want it to end up in the ocean, throw it away. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I, I still, I'm still not on board with this yet. But he gives a really compelling case. I can't wait to read the essay that he wrote for Wired yeah. because I, I feel so strange putting plastic in the trash bin. But I also don't want it to go into the ocean. So I still need more data. Yeah. But. I mean, he's an environmentalist who really cares about this stuff. Yeah, that sounds like a great essay, man. I can, I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, but in the meantime, you can check out that conversation I had with him. Also, I did one with uh, Bill Irvine from Wright State. He is like the leading Stoic philosopher. And our, our regular episode, if you listen to it on the main Minimalist podcast feed, was really good. The one we did for, uh, for the Maxwell episode was truly outstanding. I mean, we just got into this flow of conversation and stoicism. In fact, I think it was when we did this poll of our of people's favorite episodes on Patreon, mm -hmm. that was their favorite of last month out of mm -hmm. everything that we did. So That's great. Uh, Bill Irvine, he's this this great stoic philosopher, also a professor in, in Dayton, Ohio, of all places. But you can find all that at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us? Here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hey, Josh and Ryan. Uh, my name is Zach Miller calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Just uh, listen to your podcast. I'm not sure if it was on clothing or uh, travel or something like that, but you mentioned clothing and uh, just figured I'd share uh, what, what I've learned about uh, my clothing choices um, on my journey to becoming a minimalist. Um, my three objectives uh, for any sort of clothing item that I would own is that it is functional, uh, it is durable, and uh, it is stylistic, stylistically versatile, uh, meaning I can wear it to any or most of the activities that I would partake in. Um, I generally stick to neutral or earth tones. This way it um, gets rid of the need for brands or logos, and I can, again, pretty much wear it anywhere. Um, pop a color every once in a while with an outerwear, maybe a rain jacket uh, or a backpack or something like that. Um, helps to identify that it's yours as well, um, which is a useful function. Um, and again, mostly what I wear is geared towards function. Uh, what will I use it for? Can I use it for many different things, uh, whether it be professional, business, uh, or going on a hike? My name is Craig. I'm calling from the Toledo, Ohio area. And my comment is for Susan, who was wondering about keeping baby clothes uh, to remind her of when her newborn came home. This, I'm sure, will certainly expand into other projects and papers and artwork as the child progresses from preschool through kindergarten up to fourth, fifth grade, when most of that artwork is produced. We kept a lot of that stuff. Um, all of that sort of thing went into a big box 
because at the time when they're very young, that seems like very invaluable stuff to keep. And ultimately, as the children grew older, we started to sort through it and realize that only certain pieces meant something or that were had something that we really liked. And those were items that got scanned or photographed. And even now, uh, my children are 16 and 19. And as we still find various things, they kind of look at it and say, I don't know why you're keeping that. Uh, and so then we take a photograph of it and then it goes in the trash. So they don't seem to mind at all. And we keep remembrances of the pieces we like the best in a digital format and the rest of it goes away. So I guess what I'm saying is give yourself a little permission. Having a baby is a very exciting thing. And as they grow up, you will find more value in certain things than others. And the things that you seem to want to hold on the most right now may not seem as important in a few years. So give yourself a little, a little time and a little uh, availability to kind of hold on to stuff for a little while but not forever. All right, y'all, real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Actually, I'll give you two things. We rescheduled our tour. If you want some of our tour dates, uh, once everything opens back up, we do plan on going back on the road again. We rescheduled all of our guests as well, and that was quite the endeavor, but you can find all of our tour dates over at theminimalists.com slash tour. If your city isn't on there, go ahead and put your email address in. We'll notify you when we're coming to a city near you. Of course, we'll never send you any spam or advertisements or anything like that. But also, uh, the thing I wanted to talk about is uh, COVID-19. Uh, there's been a shortage of testing, but now antibody tests are becoming available. Seems and like that's the best test to take, right? I, well, it, it's, it depends. So there's a, let's talk about the difference between uh, infection tests, which is like the swab, which I've had one of those before as well, mm -hmm. versus the antibody test, which, which is the blood test. And uh, the infection test tests for active infection. Mm -hmm. So if you had it right now, whether you were symptomatic or asymptomatic, mm -hmm. you, you would be able to do a swab. That's a swab. How uncomfortable yeah. was that? Very, it felt like they, they were poking at my brain. Oh my God. It was, it was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I mean, it wasn't bad. It was just very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, a blood test is far less uncomfortable or, or far more comfortable, mm -hmm. uh, but it tests for the antibodies. So if you've ever had COVID-19, you've been exposed to it, and you, you would have, of course, developed the antibodies. If you currently have it, would it pick up on antibodies that your body is? So, yes. So that's what I'm saying. So the antibody test, whether you have COVID or whether you had COVID, it'll give you a, a pretty accurate result. Yeah, that, that, that's certainly my understanding. Now, of course, there are... We're uh, not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait a minute, Dr. Nicodemus. <laughs> it's, it's by name only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, uh, we bought some for our team because they're now available commercially. Uh, if you're interested, the, the place we use is a guy I know named Adam Lamb. He owns a company called uh, Renew Life RX. You can find tests. I don't get paid any money. We don't get paid any money for telling you this. It's just I've had a few people ask where they can get these COVID tests now and for the antibodies. And it's just uh, renewliferx.com slash COVID. But we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. They do a bunch of other tests as well. I've been working with them on hormone panels and things like that. But they just they got this test. And what you do is you just go in. Bex and I are going to go uh, next week. And we just you go into a lab core, basically. They draw your blood. And within two or three days, they say, you've tested negative. You tested positive. 
live. And I, there's a part of me that kind of hopes that like I've, I, I don't think I will. I think I'll come back negative. Mm-hmm. In fact, you said you want to bet a dollar that you come back. I'm <laughs> like, no, I, I, I think I haven't been well, exposed to well, it. Well, you know what's interesting is the reason why I wanted to bet a dollar too is because that conversation we had with Paul Saladino was it was implying that 40% of people basically have it. And out of me, you, Jordan, Sean, Bex, Mariah, I bet you all of us come back negative. Well, But here's the thing though. I, I think if one of us comes back positive, there's a good chance most of us come back positive 100 and so if one of us comes back negative it's a good mm-hmm. chance all of us come back negative as yeah, well yeah now, now however that's not necessarily true and mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're you know what they're finding out right now is uh i was talking to adam about this he had a husband and wife couple who uh, one of them tested positive one tested negative one of them has symptoms the other didn't mm-hmm. and they think they're not certain there's still some theories here but there it has to do with your dna there are some people who are more susceptible to to the sars uh, COVID-2 virus than others based on your genetic makeup. Just when I thought we hashed out all the information possible with Paul Saladino. <laughs> <laughs> Here's more information. Yeah, so if you're interested in getting a test, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Again, uh, we don't get anything for telling you that. I just had, I've just i had quite a few people No, it's a great, ask. It's a great service to provide for people who are looking for it. You can follow The Minimalist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Minimalist. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash The Minimalist. And if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at theminimalists.com. Just enter your email address at the top. We'll send you our show notes every Tuesday, but we'll also send you our simple Sunday emails each week. Just some writing about simple living each week. No spam, no advertisements, no junk ever. We just want to keep you informed of simple living things. For our added value this week, Ryan, I think we might have to switch off of songs in the near future. I've heard a rumor mm. that um, Apple or iTunes or Apple Podcast, I guess it is, yeah. is cracking down on copyright things, which is oh. silly because all we try to do is play a minute of someone's song. And while they're certainly not doing that right now, uh, if the rumor ends up being true, I would hate for our podcast to get pulled off of apple podcasts or or anywhere else that's a lot of editing that we're gonna have to do so the, <laughs> the song you're listening to right now is uh is our theme song which is by uh peter doran and it's called every little thing so you're it's already playing in the background right now i assume sean and um instead uh, for added value i think we'll we, we can still talk about albums we can still talk about songs yeah but i just finished a book i, I did a quarantine conversation with uh, Adrian McKenty, who, as you know, is one of my favorite authors, mm-hmm. and he's unbelievable, man. He's mm-hmm. he's so good. He has such a great story. I want to get him on the podcast next time he's in L.A. to tell it because he quit writing and then came back to it after basically an agent forced him to. Mm. And uh, he, was dri- he was driving Ubers for a while, but now he has this book called The Chain that was just picked up for, as a major, major motion picture. Nice. And it's such a good book. Is it a mob type story? No, it okay. is. Um, it, it's, a, it's about kidnapping the, the thesis of it is uh, if someone were to kidnap your kid mm-hmm. and the only way you could get your kid back ryan was it for you to kidnap another kid <laughs> would you do it oh my god and of course you would and i mean Ooh. most parents would right you, you would do the unthinkable to protect your kid yeah. and it, it's like a chain letter but with kidnapping Interesting. and it is such a good story so it is called the chain by adrian mckinty we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well i encourage you to check it out If you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.